0: Completely besieged by Christmas music and Christmas things, and everything's got glitter on it, and things are glowing. <laughs> There's a tree in the corner. I I am bah humbug. My my wife knows me so well that she got me. I'm serious. She got me. Welcome back to the podcast. She got me a black Santa hat to wear Christmas morning because everybody wears Santa hats. So she's like, I'll get you a black one. A black one. She got me a black one. Oh, and also, funny. here's the other thing our family's doing <laughs> uh, for Christmas this year. We are all wearing. Die Hard themed Christmas shirts. Nice. (laughs) Because it is a Christmas movie. It is. That has made everything work, yes.
1: Well, you know that room full of rakes that you and I talk about from time to time? Oh, yeah. The last episode was my turn to walk right in and get smacked in the face. (laughs) Todd, you touched on this issue when we debated for Carl H. in St. Louis, and I wondered why Kia's and Hyundai's were so specifically targeted for car theft. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I had not been aware of the widespread issue that is now more than a year old: 2015 to 2021 Hyundai's with ignitions requiring mechanical keys, and Kias with the same issue from 2011 to 2021. A decade were deliberately built without engine immobilizer systems, leading to massive car thefts, easily accomplished with the tip of a USB cable or a screwdriver. All documented on the TikTok Kia challenge with car thieves that were underage. Children were swiping cars. Then some were severely injured after they crashed the cars they stole. And apparently, 66% of the car thefts involved Kia or Hyundai models, and as many as half of the car theft suspects were 16
0: years old or younger. So you're saying we have to be on TikTok? Please tell me no. I hope not. (laughs) Not where we belong. We are doing YouTube shorts now, but that's as close as we get. Well, the point is people's
1: lives have been upended, if not destroyed, from these car thefts. They've lost their jobs because they couldn't get to work. You know, Immobilizers that have been used on cars... Practically by everybody for Mm -hmm. 20 years or longer. And my grandmother always said that you're allowed one mistake a day, and I took mine with confidence.
0: So my, (laughs) I just, you're saying you leaned in, huh? I leaned in hard.
1: So my apologies to you all. I really appreciate all your graciousness in writing to us via email and social media. I made a mistake. I admit it. And I've looked more deeply into this issue. Really appreciate it. Brittany, Oklahoma soda gal on Twitter, Scott, R, Luke F, Eric D, John V and Damon B. Thank you. Multiple emails. Yes. Really appreciate it. We get things (laughs) wrong sometimes. Yeah, we do. And we miss the mark. So ultimately we strive for excellence, not perfection. Mm hmm. But at this point, multiple lawsuits have been filed. Class action lawsuits has has already been filed. And at this point, the investigation is closed. And the suit declares that affected Hyundai's and Kia's do not comply with federal standards. <gasps> yeah. Yikes. And it alleges that Hyundai and Kia knew for a decade that their models were defective in this manner and neglected to disclose the problem. Now, good news. Immobilizers are now standard on all their vehicles built after November 1, 2021. But bad news, as of this month of this recording, December 2022, as far as I can tell, they have not issued a recall to fix the potential problem mm. behind the thefts. The companies have distributed steering wheel locks to police department and starting selling, started selling a security kit for the affected cars mm. for 170 bucks plus installation. <laughs> so... If you're affected, the class action lawsuit could help owners get back some of the money you spent to fix your cars, potentially force them to fix the problem at no cost to owners and lessees. Mm. But it might still be worth a call to your dealership to be active in pursuing this. And
0: somebody mentioned to us that St. Louis, which was which was the location of our last car debate, was a real hotbed for this problem mm-hmm. specifically. And I had no idea that that was going on. I had no idea that St. Louis was a key place, which is why yeah. he mentioned it as a kind of, well, this is obvious. We went, <laughs> I, We totally missed it. So, yeah. And meanwhile, I hate to say this, but meanwhile, speaking of Hyundai and Kia news, <clears throat> we really like their cars. We, we I, I want to say that right up front. We really like the Hyundai and Kia products, the Genesis products. We've talked about them a lot. However, they've had some engine issues. They have this key problem. And then as of this weekend, a couple of their suppliers in Alabama were raided by the federal government. This is Alabama. This is here in the U.S. They were raided for child labor. Mm. And apparently children were were scuttled out the back to try to get away from federal officers because now this is not Hyundai corporate, but it is suppliers making parts for the Hyundai product line. And migrant child labor, some rumored to be as young as 10, have been working on the line, being part of a supplier for Hyundai Kia, which, uh, frankly, there is nothing to do here but stop this. Uh, th- th- there's just, and, and this is where it gets mm. scary because you have to ask the question of who knows. Now, it could be potentially argued, it's a supplier, it could be potentially argued that Hyundai and Kia Corporate don't know. You could also argue that they absolutely know, but the suppliers knew absolutely they they, they absolutely are Sheesh. aware of the fact there are kids out there working and that is a full stop do not do that that's horrifying and the fact that it was in Alabama of all places I was like this wasn't somewhere random where you're like what well that's going on down there no this is in Alabama Holy right here in the cow. US I hope it doesn't continue to happen in the future with any other car maker
1: but you know stuff goes on in any industry around the world. I mean, it's just it's horrifying to find that out mm-hmm. and it just it doesn't give the the greatest image by any stretch. That's me being kind.
0: Yeah, that is that
1: very very well put there. Very kind. <laughs> Moving on to our friends at Blipshift. Go wide Number two, version two by Michael Castiglione is readily available through mm-hmm. December twenty-third, and we've got a couple of others. So the process continues. There will be more merch coming out, more shirts uh, from yeah. some of our favorite artists on Blipshift. Yep. Thank you to those guys. But I recognize the name and I called mm. out the artist specifically because it's a unique name. He goes by yeah. Casty And when I presented my eighth term final project, when I was at Art Center, we did, did it at the Chrysler Design Studio uh, okay. in yeah. uh, North San Diego. Sure. Because it was a sponsored project. And Michael was one of the guys I presented to. So You're he kidding. Was part of my critique. And I recognize he goes by Casty, uh-huh. short. And that's a so small world moment. On the side, it's my understanding he is a designer at Rivian now, okay. and he goes by Casty. And he's got Casty Works, W O R X, mm-hmm. doing artwork on the side. So here he's doing artwork for Everyday Driver. Who that's knew? amazing.
0: That's really cool. S- that small the, world. The, the, all the pieces connect there. Other things going on. By the way, I am working busily because we are working on YouTube entertainment for you and the family. Uh, truthfully (laughs) our our north trip is coming this thursday december 22nd it is about 45 48 minutes long and it will be premiering on YouTube on that day, and I, honestly, I had a conversation with my father this weekend, because he was like, what's coming up? And I was like, when you're over for Christmas, we're watching this North thing, because <laughs> I've got I've got my parents, I've got my in-laws, I've got everybody. Please don't
1: notice. I know it's you, and uh-huh. I know you're going to notice things that could be fixed. Oh, I, of Just, course I will. Nobody else will know. Yes, I am going to push Just hard.
0: easy on yourself, okay? <laughs> I'll push hard for December 22nd, so, so we can watch it, so you can watch it. That's coming out. I'm, I'm promoting it a lot, because really, this is an incredible fun piece. Plus, we went to Glacier National Park, which, by the way, is quite pretty. Yeah, so you're going to want to yeah. see this, and we can't. It's one of those places where we, we went, we took these cars here. It's very fun.
1: I still can't believe our two cars, mm-hmm. old cars, yes. have taken us on four trips around the country, four yes. big trips. Mm-hmm.
0: It's still amazing to me to see, like,
1: yeah, we were there. That's, that's our cars. We I did know. It,
0: and it's almost one of those it's things. It, it sounds weird to say, but it's almost one of those things where it dawns on me more when we make the piece, like edit it, than we do when we do it.
1: I know you've been enjoying we're, yourself. Yeah.
0: You're we're, like, this part, it's so funny. When we do when we, we're in the middle parts. of doing it, there, there's uh, a lot yeah. of the, the realities of getting it done and, and we got to make the mileage and we got to get here this day and what happened to the hotel and that kind of stuff. When we get done, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm looking at the footage going, what's that car doing there? When you remember a car that you're interested
1: in, or you hear us debate a particular vehicle here on the podcast, you need a way to search for it. Our friends at autotempest.com will help you find your next car wherever it's hiding. Local, nationwide, big listings, or little ones.
0: And since you're listening to this podcast, you're probably the person your friends and everyone in your family consults when they're going for their next car purchase. And even with sponsorships like this one, the folks at Autotempest rely on word of mouth, so let your friends know that this is the secret weapon. Autotempest.com slash everyday links you to nationwide listings from Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace, too, so it enables you to search beyond the limited distances those sites often support. When you're doing your drive
1: homework, you're chasing the next family car, or you've got the fear of missing out, go to autotempest.com slash everyday so they know that we sent you. Autotempest. All the cars, one search. Our topic Tuesday is a recap for this year. Yes. We have best experiences of the year to talk about. The cars we drove and the shoots and trips that we took. I want to hear what stood out to you because we did a lot this year. It was a little strange to look back because I hadn't really done that yet. Mm -hmm. And I had to actually go back on our main channel (laughs) and remind myself of all the videos that we've done, all the films and all the effort that's, Undertaken to create everything and going, oh, yeah, I remember that It takes some thing. reflection. And, yeah. you know, the travel and the planning and uh, just all the test drive stuff. Thank you guys for yeah, yeah. watching and subscribing to our test drive channel that is growing. If you haven't yet, please go there. Those are individual test drives of cars. Mm-hmm. A lot of press cars that we get from our friends in the Denver fleets. And those cars show up, and we want to include them, but sometimes we don't have a place for a comparison, so those are standalone drives, Mm -hmm. impressions, and this week we've got the Genesis GV60 coming out, so watch for that. But a lot of cars coming our way, we just want to get it and drive it immediately, so Mm -hmm. that's sort of like the in-car podcast.
0: (laughs) It is very much that. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start cars? you want to start trips? What do you want to start with? Uh, Well, I'll start with the best of the year.
1: Okay, all right, great. Two of them are competing and it was the GRIOS Garage episode, driving Formula cars, including yeah. a 1978 Formula One car, an actual Formula One car that has a slight edge over the GT cars episode for me. Even though it was all it was Porsches, also really good, yeah. And we got to drive not just the GT3, the new one, mm-hmm. on track, mm-hmm. and the GT4, but they were on <laughs> Spa, mm-hmm. and it was quite a milestone. A big couple of days,
0: yeah, definitely.
1: But the GRIOS Garage episode, thanks to our friends at GRIOS for pulling cars out of their yeah. collection, preparing them and mm-hmm. making them available for us to shoot and film and have this experience. It's on our main channel. If you haven't seen that yet, it's driving F1. Mm-hmm. And it's all about the progression in a quick manner. Of course, we could spend hours sure. talking about the minutiae of the progression Days, up weeks, to months, becoming years of your progression. Life. But yeah. we drove Jody Schechter's 1978 car. the Walter Wolf car. Mm-hmm. His teammate, I believe, was Bobby Rahal
0: at the time. Uh, You would know better than me, but maybe.
1: And then Jody went on to join Ferrari in 1979 and won the world championship. Yes, so yes,
0: he was a world championship. The man driver, yes.
1: drove this car. This uh-huh. was what he experienced. It weighs 1,500 pounds and has nearly 500 horsepower.
0: This this was amazing, and this is actually on you my list too. What specs to blow your mind? Yes, because when you you and I started this show 15 years ago, if somebody walked up to me and going, "You want to drive an F1 car?" I'd be like, "That's never happening." Yeah, and and okay, yes, it's a, it's an F1 car from the late 1970s. But did you just hear the, the stats Paul mentioned? <laughs> I mean, this is crazy fast. And here's the thing that, that gets crazy. forgotten is that this is also the era. I hate to say this because we tried to forget it on the day. This is the era when you were the crash protection. Yeah. I mean, we were looking at how flimsy and how exposed we were in all of these cars. And that was the whole premise is to go from karting, which we've done many times, step up through all of the ranks of driving really quickly to Formula One. So that's what the whole episode is about. We really are proud of it. It is our best sounding episode ever. The Hands sounds are down. fantastic. Yes. But yes. There were a couple of times while driving those cars, actually that's not fair, before driving the cars, walking around the cars, where I thought about where my ankles were and I thought yeah. about what was there to protect me. And actually the Grios boys, they didn't get it fired up, but they have a they have a, a one of the Senna cars now. A, an actual Ayrton Senna F one car. Mm-hmm. But that was much later after they got the, the crash cell involved in the oh, car. yeah. And the scale of it, it's almost twice as big as what we drove. I'm talking of just scale, not weight, but just scale, because they made that crash center that protects everybody, and the ones we drove didn't have it. They were all the old-school stuff,
1: and that was what the – I guess the gravitas of what we
0: did because it
1: was aluminum and steel and the engine is a stressed member of Mm -hmm. the entire chassis. Uh And there is nothing there. The entire thinking was, what's the lightest, most powerful thing we can make to go around the track and Mm -hmm. still apply adhere to the formula. Yeah, yeah. And there was very little crash safety of any
0: kind. (laughs) We were technically bolted in. That's about as far as it was. Going
1: through our minds. (laughs) Yeah. But there's so much more of, of that thinking in your head but it started to diminish the faster i drove completely yes it just went away and you became one with the car and i got the shifter and i understood where the power comes on and Mm -hmm. you know when that when the the, uh the tech leans in your ear and says okay so you need to keep it above 5000 rpm it's not going to run too well below that and let's not go above 11 when you're on the straightaway
0: (laughs) i'm sorry well what and and you just kind of mentioned it in passing this is also still the era of F1 where you are shifting for yourself. There are no paddles. There is an actual yes. there's a third pedal. There is a shifter lever to yes. move while you are driving quickly or mid corner or whatever. You need to take a hand off the wheel and be busy with that hand and make sure you don't miss a shift, which is remarkably hard while you're doing all this kind <laughs> of stuff. There's a lot going on. It was, it, that was a that special a time, cu- a couple of days. Yeah.
1: Again, I'm just I'm grateful for the experience and I'm
0: grateful that we're able to create a film and be able to share it with everyone. Agreed. Agreed. That is absolutely on my list. As you can tell, I'm excited about it as well. But one of the ones that was best of the year for me is. Thinking triumphantly about the fact we went back to Europe. Yes. The pilgrimage trip came back. Thank you. Yes. After multiple years of being gone, we had our biggest group ever. We had 11 people go with us. The max is a dozen. So we were right up against the max, which is really crazy. We had an incredible time with our friends at RSR who were funny because they're already sending me emails asking when we're coming back. We're trying to figure out our dates <laughs> for next year. That will be happening. We're going to yeah. open that up again. But it was amazing to be back. It had a, this is going to sound weird. Every year when we go, it feels very natural to be there because we've been there a few times and and you talk about how it almost always feels like home. But what was interesting this time is it had an extra layer of nostalgia because it had been a while. Yeah, that's a good. So it was like, it was like going home after being away for years and it was really cool. And we had so much fun. So I'm thrilled that we went back for that. Also in my best of the year is the East coast trip. Okay. Because I didn't expect to enjoy that as much as we did. I thought it'd be cool. But it was just ended up being a lot of fun and a lot of laughs. And many of you have watched that piece and thank you. But very organically out of that piece became something that we're going to keep doing, but we'd never done it before. We've never done little vignettes little comedic asides mm-hmm. on purpose that were like planned to be shot. Well, we've done them. We've just never turned the cameras on. Well, that's fair. That's fair. So this was something <laughs> They've where. They've happened the <laughs> entire time. We've yeah, been idiots on camera and that stuff just never gets seen. But but we had a costume department. That was the key <laughs> thing. And I, and, and I have to share this with you guys. There you was a moment. There was a moment. So funny. The second day of our East trip, which was a five-day drive. Okay. The second day. You and I are standing at like 7.30 in the morning. We're the only ones there at Car Hinge in Nebraska, which is already weird. To be at Car Hinge at 7.30 mm-hmm. in the morning in the middle of Nebraska is weird already. It's just but, flat out. But we are both... The cl-
1: weirdest thing is the gift shop wasn't open yet. True. That uh, was, you were very disappointed. Uh, yeah.
0: We were both climbing into terribly bad polyester <laughs> monk costumes at 7.30 in the morning in the middle of the Nebraska Plains.
1: At, extra, at an extra level. And at, at,
0: at that point, we hadn't filmed a frame yet. And we literally looked at each other. We're like, are we really doing this? Are we really about to do this? And then we went off and did our, our Monty Python gag out of that piece, which was a whole lot of fun. And many of you have laughed and enjoyed it. And we did too because it's so absurd. But that was the beginning of something different. Because to your point, we've always had this level of fun on all of our shoots, but we don't always turn the camera around, or, or in this case, plan it quite this well. Because we had costumes and planning, and we I mean, knew we how we We just
1: haven't had the costumes and yes. all the fun. So that has become yeah. a thing
0: from our road trips. It is part of the north <laughs> trip. It's part of the south trip. It's something we're going to keep doing. Also, we have discovered that some of this absurdity will be something that's very easy for us to shoot on set as a YouTube short. So some of that is coming as well. We had a shoot recently <laughs> where a couple of ridiculous things came up, and we are like, you know what? We're shooting that right now as a short. But this was a change for us that I'm very excited about and costumes
1: costumes I agree I'm looking forward to more road trips but there was an extra level of will the cars make it will they break will the mechanics still be sort of will they get us there and all the way back home on all of our trips we finished off shooting the north and the south trips as Todd said at the top of the podcast the north trip is coming December 22 2022 and then there's the south trip when we went to Texas that was still a milestone
0: yes there's Absolutely.
1: there's a lot in there. There was just a lot of driving.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot of driving, a lot of funny b- besides the still road amazed stuff. At that. T- time at the Coda Racetrack. I mean, come on. When they were building yeah, Circuit of the Americas, yeah. I-, I thought it'd be cool to kind of go there sometime. We went there for real. It was really tires
1: cool. tires on track. Yep. And then for me, all the GR86 experiences, we've had mm. road trips and we've covered cars in depth before, but I feel like we really, really covered that car. <laughs> we've almost had it to, a year. Yeah. To the point where we're the GR86 channel. So yeah. we've covered it thoroughly. Mm-hmm. It will still be nearby in the future. So yes. we might be able to, to pull it whenever we need it. But we've done a lot with that car. Yeah. And it felt good to share it and have the show own the car. and Yes be able to call upon it whenever we had an idea and go shoot this and pull Mm -hmm. it off. And the tire changes, the brake changes, thanks to our friends at Bridgestone and also PowerStop, mm-hmm. that came alongside it to support us for uh, some of the final films. It, it felt good to be able to do things with that car and yeah. just rip on it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's one of the first times, maybe the very first time, we've been ahead of the curve on coverage. Because we got one pretty early. We've had it almost a year already. So we got to cover it with Nuts. a lot of things. And that actually uh, comes up to one of my, my favorite shoots of the year also, which I have to say that the 86 came in piece. Was one of my favorite shoots of the year. One of my favorite shoots of a lot of years. Really, what? Because what was the difference for you? Well, it's multiple things happened. It was one of the pieces that was the inspiration for us thinking about the eighty six. We were at, we set it on the piece. We were at the press launch for mm-hmm. the eighty six. Mm-hmm. At lunch, we thought this. We literally said to each other, just privately, like this or an equal price used Cayman. And we both kind of went, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And that was a real light bulb moment for us that we were like, that's interesting. We're not sure. And you weren't sure, Paul, the Porsche guy, the Cayman guy. So it was like, that's something we have to shoot. Of course, there were tons of pieces and time and and days and shoots between that initial impression, sitting there at lunch and actually shooting the piece. That was part of it. We got our great friend Chris from Montana that came down for Utah Pilgrimage. Mm -hmm. He loaned us his car. We got matching tires from Bridgestone which was which an was incredible equalizer, but to do an on-road, on-track piece in the same couple of days, and we happened to hit one of our favorite roads in the area at one of our favorite times of year. Everything combined in that piece. It is great-looking. It was fun driving. It was kind of perfect. And it was one of those things where we build all these pieces up. We, we plan for We kind of, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this element. And that was one of those pieces where everything just worked right.
1: It did. It was a bit of a fight from a planning perspective, and yeah. I saw the pieces come together, and we think, okay, it's, it's going to work, and then it, you know, the whole was greater than the parts, so I, I loved it, too. It was great. And then some of the cars we drove, moving on to the GR Corolla, that was special. Thanks to Toyota mm-hmm. for lending us the car and getting it to us early, because the launch for the GR Corolla was at our home track, yep. Utah Motorsports Campus. Uh, just to the west of Salt Lake. And it was fun to be able to get into that car. And it's not something we always get to do. We're not news. We're not sure, yeah. get way out front when we can. We try to take advantage of it. And we produced multiple pieces
0: on that car. And it was really great to, to be able to have access to the car. It, it was really nice. And there's more coming with that car too. But, but you yeah. know, attached to that, I have to say, one of my favorite cars of the year that I drove, didn't expect it to be a favorite. And it was a real favorite. The Supra Manual. I agree. Was really, really good. I, I mean, fell we, back in love with that car. We've talked before yeah. about how that isn't that is an unappreciated car. Mm-hmm. It is much better mm-hmm. than the impression that the internet has given about it because it's not Supra enough. It's not Toyota enough. But I've said it before on camera, and <laughs> the I'll list say it
1: as long. It's not blank it's enough. Not, uh, there's
0: not enough 2JZ. There's yeah. lots of things. Yeah. But I've said it before, and I'm going to say it right now. And that is, this is the best car that BMW makes. It's the best driver's car BMW makes. Is the Supra. I know that's controversial. The Mini is a close second. The Mini is up John there. John Cooper works. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the best front-wheel drive BMW's done. But the Supra manual, it, it's, it's everything it should be. Mm. Now, you can mm. argue about but the history and the toy, you can We can argue about that. That's fine. But I'm just talking, take the badges off. Forget who built it. Go drive that car. It's excellent. And the manual is right.
1: I agree fully in the electric category. I think both you and I really like the Genesis GV 60 a lot. Yeah. Like I said, that test drive is coming soon this week and it was, we're going to be getting into more electric vehicles uh, uh, more, more than we have in the past. And of course, manufacturers are bringing more and more out and our requirements remain the same as far as what driving enthusiasm is all about. That's still a metric that we apply to that for sure. So we're looking forward to getting into more. But then on the opposite end of that, the Escalade
0: V just came our way too. True. That video is coming soon. We have a very fun comparison.
1: (laughs) Think about this, everyone. Think about this. Mm. Cadillac builds currently the Escalade V. Yes. Our best miles per gallon we got was 13.1. That well, we worked our, it down.
0: <laughs> I guess that was our worst. We worked it, it down. No, know. but here's the thing. It, it, I think when they handed us the car, the average was thirteen one. At one point, I saw eleven one. Oh, did,
1: that's right. I did see eleven. Eleven okay, one. So we did better than than
0: thirteen. Yeah. And
1: then over here on the other side, they build the Cadillac Lyric. Yes. And then as a third point to this triangle thing, this, <laughs> triangle of strangeness. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. They build a three hundred thousand dollar hot hatchback, also electric, bespoke, super luxurious. Yes. I don't know when that's going to be available. I, I don't get the idea they're going to lend out press cars for those. Because I don't think so. Because it's just direct yeah. to the customer who buys it. Yes. So they have these very divergent and Completely. kind of competing products within mm-hmm. the
0: same brand. It's very intriguing. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'm, I'm the just ly- fine. Here's the crazy thing. The Lyric is one of the best value for money electric SUVs being offered. Here we go. I'm not yes. saying it's cheap, but the value there is excellent. I agree. Then yeah. you have the Escalade V which is $150,000 worth of essentially the Blackwing engines from the great CT uh the 5 CT5, <laughs> CT5 Blackwing is now more powerful because of a bigger supercharger in the Escalade V. So that's the Escalade over there at $150,000. Okay. Not just it's not just a gas burner, it's asking for all of the gas. It would like to have all of the gas you can find. So that <laughs> and, and it's and it's and it's more than twice the cost of the lyric. And then you have the Celestique, which is back to electric, and now twice the cost of the Escalade V and as you said, the world's nicest bespoke hatchback. This is a really weird threesome. But if you apply that same metric, value for money to the fastest,
1: gnarliest sounding most power seven or eight passenger most luxurious body on frame thing fair absurd thing fair the overrun lasts about 15 seconds when you jump (laughs) off the gas
0: if if you do it just right you're going to constantly be interrupted by the engine it
1: just goes on and on and on and you're giggling at that point like sorry you're waving like you're on a parade float because everybody's going where's the corvette where's the sports car Wait, the sound's coming out of that
0: thing? Yes. Agreed. What? There is a, there is a white, extended length, full suburban, like the ESV, Escalade V at the local gym. And that guy drives it. Oh, And ha- some days you just he's saw there, one. the same time I'm there. No kidding. And I, it, it happened to me the other day where I got into my car. I knew he was in the parking lot, but I didn't think about it. I got into my car. And I started my car. It was in the 86. I started the 86. And I wasn't really thinking. I just started the 86. What was that? And I was was like, oh, that's right. That's the Escalade V.
1: It's like the automotive equivalent of a satisfaction video. Most passengers, (laughs) among the most luxurious, best sounding, almost 700 horsepower. What's not to like? You're right. It's delightful. So that's way up there. And then we actually drove that against a Mercedes AMG G63
0: one of the last offered with a V8. Yes. We we can't, we can't spoiler all of this. It's a really fun comparison though. It's coming soon. So that is also coming, but those cars really
1: top my list. But of course the, the car at the very top of everything for me this year was the GT four RS Cayman. I kind of expected it to be on
0: your list. It is at the top.
1: It was delightful. I'm still trying to figure out what my future budget and income (laughs) could look like so I can make that happen. Make that part of my life. Yeah. But it is very track specific. When we created that video, we acknowledged if you don't take this to the track and you're just driving Canyon Roads and puttering around
0: town and letting people see what you have, you've done it wrong. It's the puttering around town I really don't get in that car because your, your passenger is going to hate you unless they love engine noise. Well, there's yeah. no talking to yeah. anybody, which is fine if you're if you're blasting down a track, I don't need to talk to anybody. I'm blasting down a track right now. Give me all the noise. But as a, I'm going to take this for coffee, wrong choice.
1: It totally is. So that means I'm going to have to figure out how to get more track time in my life. If I'm to own one of those, I can't just (laughs) add it. I have to also... Add track time. So I'm, I'm working on both those things. It may be more of a bit of a long-term kind of play here, but I still love
0: my current Cayman. It's still, I know you do. It's such a great balance. I, I know you do. I can't wait for summer again. <laughs> I have two that I'm going to mention that may surprise you, but I was thinking about stuff off the Test Drive channel that we drove because, again, the Test Drive channel is everything manufacturers send us. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it's not enthusiast-based. But, you know, two that surprised me this year that we drove in the past year or so, the Hyundai Santa Cruz. Now, while the okay. proper top okay. spec that you really want is forty grand, which is a lot, it drives really well, mm-hmm. and it's just mm-hmm. unique and fun-looking. And while the bed is short and small and not all that usable, if, if you like something like that, if it works for your life, I think this is much more interesting and better driving than both the Maverick or the Ridgeline and a lot of, frankly— Midsize or small pickups. It's just interesting. Sure. So the the Santa Cruz is very cool. The other one that really impressed me was the Acura MDX Type S. Oh, that's a good one. That was really good. Yeah, I'd, I'd own
1: one of those. Yeah,
0: that was that was our big takeaway is the fact that you know the MDX. You and I were kind of split on the latest gen MDX, but we both were in full agreement that the MDX Type S. It's a genuine Cayenne alt. Can't afford a hundred and fifty thousand dollars Escalade V? May I
1: offer you the MDX Type S for well, half price? Yes,
0: or can't afford a Cayenne at around a hundred grand? Because yeah. by the time you get the stuff you want, those are ninety to one hundred grand. What about an MDX Type S? It's a really interesting contender there, and I think it has to be mentioned.
1: Those a really good. We're definitely looking forward to next year. The new Mustang is coming. I have yeah. my sights set on that thing. I know you do. Haggerty is always announcing exciting new things that they're doing, and this one is no exception. Brand new this year, Marketplace is your Haggerty hub for buying and selling cool cars. With their reimagined Classifieds experience, buyers can now shop for vehicles that are on sale from Haggerty Drivers Club members, and the sellers get access to millions
0: of car lovers. This is a marketplace. There's all kinds of cars on there, so no matter what you're into, you can find something you love. And with Classifieds, there's no buyer's feeds, regardless of vehicle price. Whether you're looking to buy or sell, you should head over to Haggerty Marketplace. Take a look around. We think you'll love it. Nate C. writes to us from Seattle. He feels like a madman.
1: He's going through a okay. quarter-life crisis. It happens. <laughs> he had a recently retired Legacy GT wagon with a five-speed manual. Mm. He loved it so much, but it was time for something that ran. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. doesn't work, but I love it. Now he's lost and not sure what to do, so hopefully we can share wisdom. He bought a twenty twenty three BRZ. Hmm. He's had it for months and he's often thinking of manual station wagons that he would like and maybe prefer over his BRZ. So the car you got you're not loyal to. You're dreaming of other cars. You're dreaming of an affair with other cars.
0: Yes, but, but further than that, he went from what feels like a well, it's like enthusiast adjacent. It's an old wagon with a manual <laughs> and you know, it's interesting and you know, that's that's kinda like the thing we originally did lemons in. It's kind of that kind of car, that's right? That's true, yeah. But he then buys the current enthusiast wonder car. The yeah. 2023 BRZ that nobody could get their hands on. I mean, we have an 86. It's the equivalent of that. You've seen our piece on that. He's had it for four months and you would think he'd be like, wow, this is awesome. And I can't believe I'm here. And this is so much better than my wagon. And as he drives it, he keeps thinking, should I have another manual wagon? <laughs> His activities include
1: mountain biking and skiing and to going to the mountains with friends as he lives up in Seattle his BRZ doesn't do much of this very well mm. he said it is a great time on the occasional twisty road but he rarely does that and spends most of his weekend on his hobbies mm. he says he wishes he had his car right now cuz this road is great well that that doesn't always happen yeah well he mostly uses it to commute to and from work 4 days a week on i5 And then it sits on the weekends while he goes and does all these other activities. Because he needs
0: to transport all the
1: gear. Sure. So he doesn't get to enjoy it as much as he thought he would because it doesn't overlap his other hobbies. And his commute is not playing to the car strengths. It'd be fine, Mm. but it doesn't play to the car strengths. So here he is lusting after another manual wagon and finding him his glance looking at a golf all track. He really misses having the manual wagon, which he feels are more unique and exciting than more, most traditional sports cars. He sees one and thinks, It's kind of a normal car, but special to people who know what to look for. Mm. You're right Mm. about that. So he found a manual all-track close by, and he drove it the day he sent his email to us. (laughs) It meets his desires. It's manual. He says, less engaging than the BRZ. It's all-wheel drive, and he thinks it looks quite good. It's also reasonably modifiable, so long-term he can resolve the issues like Being slower. (laughs) Sure. Okay. (laughs) Poor clutch feel, ride height. He's an engineer and enjoys tinkering as long as it doesn't make the car unreliable. Mm. But his main concern that he will miss the more engaging sports car, the wonderful handling of the BRZ, which is a really good time and the off chance he does take it to the mountains for fun roads. But at this point, it's been only two
0: times in his four months of ownership. So he's owned it four months and he's only taken it on a proper road for that car twice. This is not. Here's the thing. It's he, just been it's not connecting with your life. That's mm-hmm. the problem. It connects with him, but just not with his lifestyle.
1: Exactly. He's a little worried that having similar cars, like the Outback, Onyx, or Golf All Track, will be
0: silly. Outback is not a manual, and he needs a manual. So the Outback's already in his life. <laughs> He'll have. He wants a, an All Track. Yeah, you're overlapping a lot there.
1: <laughs> So he's trying to figure out if this is just a temporary thing or if he's realizing that his true love lies in sport wagons more so than sports Mm. cars. Mm. Maybe the wagon factor is more important to him than the pure sportiness. First of all, Nate, just the fact that you're admitting that Mm. is huge. Mm -hmm. You're more interested in the sport wagon, maybe the wagon part than just the pure sports car. Sure. But I think you acknowledge that having a pure sports car is a wonderful thing. You may miss that. But just by virtue of writing out your thoughts like this, I think we're already going in that direction. Mm. Now, can you make money on your BRZ? Irrelevant. But it does leave
0: your life. Yeah. Based on what you're writing, he'll, I think it leaves your life. He'll get his money out of it. For sure. I mean, Nate, the, the big thing that I that I feel here is that you have a car that you greatly appreciate in that BRZ, but it doesn't work for you. Which is fine. And that's absolutely, you have to get the thing that is making sense and you're enjoying it all the time. For sure.
1: Therefore, Nate is the hot hatch, the in-between car that you're looking for, because yeah. n- none of them are quite wagony enough that, than what you're looking for. True. I, I think yeah. you want to maybe put put your mountain bike in the back.
0: Is that what I'm hearing? Well, I don't know. I mean, or maybe throw skis across the back. He wants he wants that little bit. It's, it's, it's a this is a U.S. difficult designation because it, in Europe it's well there's the hatch version and there's the wagon version, and here in the U.S. we typically just get the hatch version. Right occasionally you see the wagon, which is a little bit longer. Most of the things we think of as Americans as, as wagons are actually just hatchbacks. There is a difference. He seems drawn a little bit. I agree. Some of the hatches might work, but he feels like he's more drawn to full wagon. Like, give me the longer stretch. It's unclear whether you're taking friends when you do your wagon
1: activities or if you just meet friends there. I'm not sure. And I'm bringing up hatches because I believe I found the car that you should buy. Okay. But I have other suggestions for you, which include a Veloster N, maybe a bit small, but still, mm, okay. might be usable. Mini Cooper, even go as far as the JCW Mini Cooper. It's fast, fold the seats down. Yeah. Curious it's about not the space a in that. Yeah, it's not. How about a used Porsche Macan S? Yeah, you don't have the manual is a problem. Well, there's no manual. Okay, so how about the Acura Integra, the brand new one? Okay. When you fold the seats down, it is a hatchback, and the best part about that hatch is the load floor, and where the hatch meets the bumper is mm. pretty low, mm-hmm. like a wagon. Sure. And then with sure. the seats folded, you have nearly as much space as you do with seats folded in a wagon. It is large. It yeah, is it's deep, got a lot. Yeah, it is excellent, and that is the differentiator between that and the Civic Si. Even though the Integra costs eight grand more, at least MSRP. Mm-hmm it doesn't necessarily give you more of a driving experience for that kind of money. It should be all wheel drive, but for what you're doing, I think it would be perfect manual transmission,
0: a good manual, fun
1: to drive economical. So it's the great thing between commute versus take it to the mountains Mm. and you put the right tires on it. I think it would do just fine. And you leave those seats folded. I think you're, I think it's the right balance because I think you still want to tow in the pool of fun to drive.
0: Yeah. for If sure. we just
1: go straight wagon wagon. Yeah. Yeah. How about a Mercedes E 63 S? You know, if we're going there, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No manual though. You, I say that tongue in cheek, but how about the integra because of its huge cargo capacity back there mm-hmm. and yet still so fun to drive. You can't take four people and have all the cargo capacity that thing can take, true, but the hatch true. is still pretty good size. Yeah even with the, the seats folded up, even in, in their normal position for rear seat passengers. So really, I think you should take a look at that. We just drove that. It's on our test drive channel. And that was one of our big comments. You're getting the hatchback, even though I kind of think they should be reversed. I think the Civic SI should be the hatch and the <laughs> kind of like the Civic Touring. Yeah, I hear you. And then the Integra, the more hardcore kind of thing, be the sedan, even a two-door would be nice, but they're not. And
0: I think you should really take a look at that. I think that's interesting. Nate, it's clear that you've got uh, wagon love here, and I do think that Hatchback solves a lot of what you want to do, but it comes down to our... You've said it already, Paul. The, the, is it the four people equation? Four people and gear? A little unclear. That's near. not clear. Now, you, you did say that the Outback that you have that, that's still in your life, that actually doesn't have frills and, of course, is a CVT. So that's your partner's car. And, you, and the turbo Outback's fine. Yeah, that's become the major hauler. So we're kind of competing with that as far as usability. Manual is the difficult part here. Mm-hmm. the manual wagon is very rare you know what is really hard to find but i but i was struck by it as i was thinking about it You remember the first gen lexus is 300 the oh. sport cross wagon oh, i'm yeah. pretty sure there were some manuals out there there definitely were they are, are older hard to find they're they're 20 year old cars they're hard to find it's, it's a 20 year old lexus with those cool clocks in on you know, the, the the gauges look like a stacked clock watch thing totally. which i'm not even into but it does look cool so the Sport Cross, that's what, I, almost everything I've got here is a wild card because, because <laughs> I, a list of I, wild cards. I agree that I understand why the Golf intrigues you, and I understand the stuff you do to it, and it, you fall in that category of every single person we know that has ever driven a Volkswagen when we don't say Volkswagens are awesome. They tell us the list of things to tune on said Volkswagen to make it awesome, but you're excited about that, and it's all out there. So you could definitely make that fun. Anyone that has written us that told us they have that car has loved it. So I think you would like it. I'm just going to throw out a lot of alts for you, though. All good. What about an older, last-gen they made it, the STI in hatch form? Now, that means you've got two Subarus in the garage. But that is a definitely fun car. So mm. I think it's like 2014, 2015 when they stopped making those as a hatch, so it's at least 10 years old. But they did make really good hatches for a while in the STI. Too bad they stopped. But that brings me to an obvious one. Can you afford it? What's the markup going to be on a GR Corolla?
1: I mean, that would be the ideal. It would be
0: ideal. But
1: yeah, you're paying because, bucks. Yeah,
0: you, you would thoroughly enjoy that car. You, you, you're coming out of a Toyota-related product in the BRZ. Not, it's a super. I do understand, but the Corolla drives really well. It has a lot of hatch space. It has four usable spe- seats and a decent hatch behind it. The Corolla is very compelling for you. Now, granted, even if you get an MSRP, you're spending roughly ten grand more than your BRZ cost you. I'm not sure what your budget is. So, if we're wondering into, I'm not sure what the budget is. How about this? The ultimate manual wagon wild card. Okay, probably gonna need sixty to seventy thousand dollars for a Cadillac CTS V6-speed wagon. Oh, my gosh. That is the best modern equivalent I can think of, of merging. You've had rear-wheel drive. I think one of the things that you've connected with on the BRZ is rear-wheel drive. I think that's one of the things that you haven't touched on that is actually happening here is that connection. But could you commute in a CTS-V wagon? Yes. Could you take four people? Yes. Can you use it like a wagon? Yes. Does it have six speeds? Yes, it does. Does it have a crazy motor? Absolutely. And on a back road, it's surprisingly good. You will outrun most people in that car. Now, you got to bring bucks. You do. they're hard you to find. you got to bring bucks. Yeah. But it doesn't have Cadillac's Q system, which is one of the things that kind of ruined a generation of their cars. It's right before that. And it just got me thinking fondly about when we drove one. That's a great car. The CTS V Wagon, Ooh. I think that is actually your answer, but I suspect it's at least forty percent more than your
1: budget. I mean the problem is they're becoming collector's items and they're yes. perfect and polished and shiny and nobody's driving them anymore. So they're just sitting and you know, they're they're like Buick GNXs now. They're built mm. specifically to auction. <laughs> Don't drive it. Don't you dare drive <laughs> this it.
0: This one is built in auction
1: spec. They just change hands, they sit That's in garages terrible. and they get auctioned again. Yep. So if you find one, yes, please drive that thing. I mean, there, there's drawbacks to it. But yeah. you mentioned the GR Corolla. Chance just sent us an image about dealer markup currently mm. going on. Todd and I cannot control dealer markup. We are against it. It sucks. Mm-hmm. We don't like it. But dealers apparently are getting creative because on this particular brand new GR Corolla that just came into this dealership, mm-hmm. they're charging $3,995 for premium ceramic window tint. Window tint is not four grand. And it's rear
0: windows only. It's not even on the windshield.
1: Uh, Yeah. Wheel locks and a digital mirror for two grand? They're trying to parse it out. And a a windshield protection limited warranty for two grand? You can just bump up your insurance policy to cover windshields for a hundred bucks a month. How many
0: windshields are you going to go through to get $2,000 worth of value out of that? That's like what? Like eight grand worth of add on? $8,000 It's dollars cool. worth of markup, which means in every single one of those cases, what it costs the dealer to put those things on, assuming they're really on there. Like, can you tell if there's ceramic window tint? Can you look at the car and be like, oh, yeah, this is ceramic. Is it even on there? It's just regular window tint. But it tint. didn't cost four grand to put it on. So every single one of those has got markup built in, which allows them to do massive $8,000 markup on this car without saying market adjustment. This is becoming more common because dealers are crafty. We're at a rare time. And our our friends at Savage Geese did a really good video about this. We're at a rare time when all of these things have converged and dealers are very much looking at current market as get money while we can. And so the markup is happening across the board. And if you get something that is specialty and limited edition, it makes it even more likely. And so uh, it, it, it hurts me that this happens. But this is something we've also heard about it because it's illegal to do markup like this in Canada. Mm -hmm. So this is what Canadian, that was not a Canadian, that was a US dealer. That was US. This is what Canadian dealers do all the time. We've been sent those photos too, is they'll add a bunch of stuff on at the dealer that you quote unquote really want. And every one of them, you look at the line item going, that doesn't cost that much to do. I'd like to keep the conversation going with some great
1: questions you guys have asked us. Yeah. There's one here on Facebook from Dave F. Asking if we're as sick of carbon fiber as he is. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Not as much as I'm sick of Piano Black. I'm putting that out there. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) Piano Black is in a special category for me.
1: He understands and appreciates the application on dedicated track cars, but enough already. He's had it with cars and coffee only vehicles, festooned with exterior and interior carbon fiber bits. Mm. If you aren't sick of it like he is now that he brings it up, we might be. I think you're absolutely right. I want carbon fiber to be unseen. I want to be inherent in mm. the structure, Dave. Mm. I want When you brag about carbon fiber, I want it to be not visible on the car because the entire chassis is carbon fiber or the tub is carbon sure, fiber. Sure. You have to open the door, or lift up a panel to find the carbon fiber. i like, oh, there it is. But it's become a visual treat, something yeah. especially with that stuff that looks like flakeboard, the, the giant the, chunks. The raw carbon the, fiber, the raw I carbon. hate. I don't just dislike it, I hate it. Lamborghini uses this to great effect. I understand for the particular aerodynamic part, and like you said, Dave, if it is functional, great, Mm -hmm. but all the stick-on stuff, it might be. Car manufacturers are actually doing laser engraving a a pattern. It's not an exact, but Mm. that's how far we've gone with the look of it is so popular, and it says so much. Oh, you're lightweighting, and you're a racer, and you're tied to the, the coolness of carbon fiber, which really is just—it's a lightweight, strong material. That's mm-hmm. that's it. So it should be in the unseen bits where it gives you the performance, but you have to show it off somehow. So now car manufacturers are laser engraving the pattern to show that off.
0: This reminds me when we drove the. Durango. You're right. I'm sick of it, Dave. <laughs> when we I've had it. The Durango Hellcat, it had carbon fiber. Pieces. There was a whole package because of course it was a press car and it was loaded to everything they could possibly do. The interior had a carbon fiber appearance package on it. Remember this? Mm -hmm. But the carbon fiber appearance package was a raw carbon fiber, which no matter how many times I got in that car. Subconsciously, I thought that raw raw carbon fiber was super smudged, dirty piano black. It never <laughs> looked right. It always looked incorrect. Now you're right. I agree Lan- that. Lamborghini and others have done it on like wings and stuff on the exterior. Sure. And you kind of go, oh, it's a little bit interesting, functional. But at fine. least you're outside. Mm-hmm. On the inside of the car, it just looked like it was everything was just dirty. And I yeah. paid extra for it to look bad. I, mean, I couldn't believe it. Unless
1: carbon fiber is. Like on the steering wheel. There's parts of steering wheels on high-end sure, expensive yeah. cars made out of carbon fiber, and you come into contact with that, so you're reminded, okay, this is a, a lightweight steering wheel, but you're not feeling the weave. You can't. You wouldn't. It's resin. Mm. Sure, yeah. It's smooth resin. If you closed your eyes, you wouldn't know you're touching carbon fiber, True. so who cares? I, I guess on a race car, fine, but Mercedes-AMG does that on a lot of their AMG products, their mm-hmm. parts of are carbon fiber, and, and great. I, I like the lightweighted stuff, but otherwise,
0: it's, it's posing right? We got to show it off though. Sean on Facebook says he's about to rent a car on Turo for a drive on highway one outside LA in January. So we've caught you prior. We're glad about that. He's wanting to rent either both 2017s, either a Corvette from 2017. So that's a C7 Corvette or a 2017 Porsche Boxster S. He said they're both manuals. And they're both brand new experiences to him. They're within walking distance of his hotel. So he's just like, he's just now realized, we love this too, Sean. We just now realized, I can travel and rent fun stuff. I can like build extra time in and travel yeah. and rent fun stuff. Which should he rent, the, the Corvette or the Boxster? You didn't mention, well, I'm guessing the Corvette, even if it's not convertible, you have the Target top. January in Los Angeles might be wonderful, And it might be very rainy. It might be like, it's 70 degrees today and sunny and gorgeous, and you want to take the top down. It also might be rainy. The biggest thing I see here is a drive on Highway 1 outside L.A. That is not a super tight road. It's a beautiful road. But if you're you're buying this for the purpose of driving Highway 1, I'm going to say Corvette. Hmm. But if you're going to get off of Highway 1 into all of the tighter canyons, I'm going to say Boxster. Hmm, okay. So it really depends on what you're actually going to do with it. Drive wise, I think you will enjoy the the theater and the feel and the engine in that Corvette immensely. And Highway One is long, fast sweepers. The part near L.A. is you, you, there's other places further north up near Carmel and all kinds of stuff where it can get pretty tight, but not around L.A. It's not. So I think you would really enjoy that Corvette there. But a back road, I'm thinking about parts of uh, Cannon Doom and other roads. Uh, parts oh, of oh sure. Of, uh, I'm forgetting one of the roads right uh, now. Los Virginus and there's those Las, kind of roads Las up Virginis there. Los Virginus is excellent. There's a lot of much tighter roads up off of Highway One in the hills of Malibu. I'm forgetting the, my favorite right now, but it doesn't matter. Topanga that are is much the, um, much tighter. Um, Topanga is big. is a big one. I'm yeah. not thinking of that one, but there are a few way out there that are incredibly tight, and that Boxster would just shine. And hopefully, oh, it's yeah. warm enough you can put the top down. Here's what you need to do, Sean: two trips, rent one each time. <laughs> there
1: we go. Mitchell E asks if there's a car model that either of us could justify having two of, in the same garage. Hmm. Only one he can think of is a Mercedes E Class wagon, and a convertible. Are there any others? Hmm. Yes, there are. Oh no! Thanks to our friends at Porsche, uh,
0: Paul's bringing the. You knew this is going to be the whole Porsche lineup.
1: It's it's like you set the ball in the tee, yeah. Mitchell, and like here, just whack that into the Settle outfield. Set it
0: up the tee. Ed held it with his hand. Exactly. It's like, yeah, can I help you swing?
1: <laughs> yeah. First of all, the 911 Dakar.
0: Oh, stop. And a GT3,
1: same stop. car. They do entirely
0: different things. They both go to Starbucks in Los Angeles, <laughs> no. the exact same. I'm sorry, but they do. Ah.
1: And then over on the mid-engine side of things, a Cayman GT4 or GT4 RS, and a Boxster. They same car.
0: Yeah, different I'll, things. I'll give you that. I'll give you that one. Actually, I will. So I have permission, is what what I'm hearing. I I don't know that you have permission, but I see ah. your logic. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to call out Oscar real quick on Twitter. He just said he didn't have a question, but he just wanted to say he likes the show. He's been listening for three years as a truck driver. The podcast helps him on his drives. We are thrilled to hear that. He's got two project cars, a 77 Datsun uh, 280Z, and he's V8 swapping an 88 Pontiac Fiero GT. Oscar, where are you located? (laughs) That's awesome. You're V8 swapping a a Fiero? I am incredibly intrigued right now and just a little bit frightened. But I'm curious.
1: Staying on Twitter, Ted Theologan asks if we could begin to estimate how many miles we've driven in our lives. Oh, gosh, no. I'll bet you Oscar beats us. I guarantee oh, you without he beats question. us. Oh, for sure. I mean, he's over-the-road driver. So, Oscar, I, th- I mean, acknowledging you win. But, Ted, I-, I know what you mean, just by virtue of all the track driving and all the yeah, road trips. Yeah. I
0: mean, fun to think about, yeah? You realize you and I have put... About 15,000 miles or more on our cars of the past this year, and that has nothing to do with everything else we've driven.
1: My odometer has not recorded that.
0: Yes, mine has. So (laughs) we've done roughly 15,000 miles with the driving in those cars alone, and that does not count anything else we've been in. Now, I will say the flip side of this, Ted, is the fact that we don't commute anymore. So, all of our, many of you that commute put in far more miles, just sheer miles per year than we do. And when I was still commuting before I was doing this job full time, and I'm thrilled that I can, I was putting in a lot more just miles per year than I expected because it was commuting every day. Photo Grishinist on Instagram says, the design
1: language on the Elantra N seems to rely on a ridiculous amount of sharp lines instead of smooth surfaces. Yes, it does. How much time do you have? <laughs> he thinks it's monstrosity because it, <laughs> it looks like he's in the minority. What makes the design language of the Elantra N work or not work? Also, RedbirdFan77 asks, why does the Elantra have to be so ugly? The nose and body lines in the doors are just awful. I,
0: and I, I will say right now, Paul is going to do a great job of explaining this styling. And, and I, when you stand with Paul, <laughs> and he explains his styling you go I get it but I will also defend all of you that don't like it because I am in your camp it doesn't mean you have to like
1: true. it true I just want you to understand it and Redbird fan says is missing something with a design language that would help him love or appreciate it I want to focus on the love and appreciate part on every mm-hmm. car we can find if you make with your fingers the uprights for football field goals or like sure. a, a movie screen, like the yep. 16 by nine, yep. just with your fingers, you make mm-hmm. that. And just like as if you walked around the car and you just selected a particular spot on the car that was beautiful. Mm. You might find one on every car you look at. Mm. Now, the overall proportions, the overall shape, everything together, not appealing to your eye. That's fine. And I'm not asking you to fall in love with it. I just want you to find places on cars that you appreciate and be able to identify why you love them. Mm. I'll give you an example in the Elantra N, and it is that very signature look on the doors, stamped into the metal on the doors. Very striking. Can you imagine, as a side note, can you imagine that car without that I think it'd be kind of boring. Mm. Now we're edging towards beaver teeth and BMW's reasons for existing and all their current cars (laughs) is to be kind of in your face and polarizing for the sake of polarity to, to make you have a reaction one way or the other. I'm not going that far. You don't have to like this, but where you see that large theme and where it washes out at the rear, pretty much right over the rear wheel arch, Mm. It washes out to a perfectly clean, smooth surface. And that is where the rear shut line goes from top to bottom. It drops straight through that smooth surface. And then that theme picks up again around the back of the trunk, through the taillights and around Mm -hmm. the back of the car. That is worried about. That was so deliberately crafted. So the shut line wouldn't interfere with that dramatic theme. Mm -hmm. It also makes the fender flares swell out a bit. It's as if here's the theme and the wheels pushed out past it with their clean Mm. wheel arches and it made it look like it has a wider stance, even though it doesn't. It's the same on the standard Elantra as it is on the N. Mm. I kind of wish it were a little bit more pronounced, but you can go too far. There's some sort of balance in there. So look around the car and you see resolutions of, you see a theme start and then you see where it ends and where it starts up again. And ultimately what you're doing is designing with highlights and reflections. Mm-hmm. You want it to be eye catching enough to think, wow, that's really an interesting, different kind of theme. And you have to admit that Hyundai and Kia have really carved out their look. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it. It's, there's no question in your mind. There's no, like, is that a Honda, Hyundai, Mazda, with <laughs> <laughs> no, it's clear that You're is right. Hyundai's theme, and Kia is very different. Mm-hmm. You look for highlights, you look the way they, things wrap, and the theme is very crisp, sharp edges, and so I want you to appreciate that from a manufacturing standpoint, knowing that the designers pushed for something, they were told by the engineers, yeah, you can go this far and no farther, and the mm-hmm. people who actually want to make the thing and be able to pull it out of the tool and... <laughs> put it together properly and have shut lines line up. And so you you can craft a very high quality vehicle. Mm. They might push back. So it's it's such a fight. There's so many things going on as as far as give and take. What fight can you win? What fight do you have to pull back on? I agree. The black nose on the Elantra N looks like a black hole. But the patterns are so busy on the front that I mm. understand why Hyundai blacked the whole thing out, because they have so much so busy with sure. various patterns sure. and and various design elements going on. And the front end is made to be something interesting, generative, where it's pushing the air out of the way of the car. And so it's that's the front end that sets the direction for the car that mm. sets Like I said, you're pushing air, you're moving forward through space and time. And so what is that theme? And then how does that wrap around the car? How does that continue the theme? The biggest thing you want to look for is cars that look like the front and rears were designed by the same people. That is success, whether you like mm-hmm. it or not. Mm-hmm. That is successful. And if the interior design team picked up on, it, they're they're sitting in a separate part of the studio. They they definitely talk to each other, but <laughs> they may not have seen each other in weeks. It, they haven't shaved. The coffee's <laughs> exactly. run dry. But I'm still sketching an interior. Example is the Cadillac Escalade. Yes, the interior doesn't look like the exterior at all. It's huge blocks of foam on the exterior, and then quite lovely, beautiful, graceful, surfaces very rounded on the and swooping. You're right. They don't really match. Now, do they need to? match not necessarily it still somehow
0: works in that car but in a lot of cars I guess doesn't it does. Work. yeah
1: but the the theme is carried throughout mm. the elantra and through the the line you see you, you pick up on little details and you yeah. think oh there's there's a carryover it's just like when you're public speaking and you okay. introduce something funny a joke uh something that happened to you part of your family mm-hmm. your wife told you this and you, you just kind of set people up at the beginning of your public speech and at the end you bring it back around yep You pull it back out. That is a device used and people go, oh yeah, I remember what you said at the beginning.
0: Every comedian that's ever done really good work does that exact same thing.
1: Now imagine that applied to cars or products. Mm -hmm. You want to see the theme continued. Mm -hmm. So look for beautiful surfaces that have a really nice highlight Mm. I think now Chris Bangle's BMW era cars are
0: looking pretty tasty. The Z4 is the rest of them. I'm still not a fond of, but the Fair Z4 enough. looks great.
1: But the flame surfacing, you, you it's like looking at for negative space. Yeah, it's like sure. looking for the arrow and the FedEx logo. When sure, you sure. see it, you can't ever unsee it. Yeah, yeah. But you're looking for the reflection, not the surface. You're not looking for mm, the line. You're mm-hmm. looking for the reflection of the mm. the surrounding environment. Designers are constantly thinking about all this stuff, and that's why they pull cars out into the courtyard to see what is the the trees and the reflection and the wall and the other cars Mm -hmm. and people walking around it. How does that look? If it's misshapen Mm -hmm. and
0: funny looking and weird, we did it wrong. We need to refine some things. (laughs) Or if you're a case of BMW, you never pulled it out of the light at all. You kept it under wraps (laughs) until you released it. Everybody went, Oh, that's what we're doing now. I'll wrap things up.
1: But it is very directional. It is very aggressive on a sedan that, shouldn't have s- such aggressions mm. and such interesting sharp lines. You don't have to like them, but I think it's far better than what BMW is doing in terms of like it or don't. Mm. I think more people might be able to come around. I mean, look f- first at the proportions, look at the shapes, then look at the the major theme. And just like any good painting that draws you in, when you're in a museum, you see the first read, the overall read, sure, yeah. the the composition, and then The second stage, it it sort of draws you in with the mid range, the midfield draws Mm -hmm. you in with color or some detail. And then finally, you're up close. Your nose is against the painting and you're looking way into the perspective and the Mm -hmm. details way in there. So it's called the first, second and third read. Apply that to cars. What's the theme? Then, oh, the details. Mm -hmm. And those might be headlights and taillights. And then finally, oh, this reflection. Oh, that's very sensitively done right there. Mm. This is Hyundai's
0: take on it. Mm. You don't have to like it, but I just want you to know it and appreciate it. Very good. Michael is asking on Facebook. He says, not very many journalists ever talk about car gearing, the actual gearing of the transmission, the ratios. How important is this to driving fun? And why don't more people talk about it? First off, Michael, it's, it's down in the weeds of minutia. You could debate, well, this has tall gearing or long or, or, or long gearing or whatever. But I think one of the reasons it doesn't get discussed enough anymore is because it really only matters with a manual. Mm-hmm. The, 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 its connection to driving fun is about how it feels in a manual. And, and the, the latest generation Cayman got really dinged by a lot of people, especially in GT4 form, because the gearing, the ratios, were picked to do really fast time on the Nurburgring. Get up into third, sit in third, do the whole track in third. That's great. But one of the things that's fun about a manual transmission is when the gears are really short, you get to use the gears more. And if the transmission feels really good, then you're excited that you get to shift again. But here's something that's been going on for decades. Manufacturers have been very worried if they do a manual transmission that the first two gears will break 60 miles an hour because the zero to 60 is so hindered by an extra change into third. So they make sure that gear one and two will break maybe 62 It's something they almost always do. Very, very (laughs) rarely is there a car that you have to shift to third to get to 60 because the zero to 60 time will be slower. And now we've got transmissions that are supposedly, follow along, getting great gas mileage by putting in eight, nine, ten gears. And as a result, all they do is hunt. They just hunt, 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 hunt. And I ranted about it when we did our uh, Camaro versus uh, 350R. Mustang piece. Yeah, I ran it about the 10-speed in there because when you get a ton of gears, they theoretically are trying to find the most efficient gear to either go fast or to get gas get, get mileage, and as a result, they hunt constantly. So what I like is just a really nice six-speed automatic. Mazda's got one that's been great forever, but I think most journalists, and also, let's put it another way, most buyers are going to be more concerned with is the transmission satisfying than what are the gears. If the transmission is good to work with, be it auto or manual, and it seems to be something that I just enjoy interacting with and it doesn't disrupt my enjoyment of the car, the ratios don't matter. But the more you drill in, especially with manuals, they kind of do. Travels with George J. says, What is the weakest
1: rationalization you've ever used for buying a specific car other than, I just wanted it? How about, I had extra money? It's a cool <laughs> color. And my, my best shot at this, George, is... Well, someone would have bought
0: it. It might as well be me. Isn't that how you ended up with a 928? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Your current 928 was that logic exactly. Yeah. Yes. That,
1: well, that was used on me by my sister, so I blame her. Uh-huh. And last question for me, bitter car guy. Is the Elantra N really as loud as that cop in California made it out to be? No. No, it pops and crackles. That doesn't mean it's loud.
0: I think what happened there is, is a misunderstanding of the fact that that was a stock exhaust. I think the officer assumed it was an aftermarket exhaust and that's where the ticket and thinking came from. It's a stock exhaust that makes all those pops and whirs. We should remind you guys, this is our last podcast for 2022. We will be back in the new year. We are taking off this coming Friday and next Tuesday and Friday. We will not have a podcast. We won't have videos releasing at least after the big piece. Remember the North piece that's coming out. After that, we are taking a break for Christmas break between Christmas and New Year's. We will be back the first week of January 2023 and our next podcast will also be a topic Tuesday, but that'll be us talking about the things we're excited about for next year.
1: We hope you have some great time off. We hope your holidays are great. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Looking forward to next time. As always, New Year's upon us. Cheers, everyone.